Hey guys, it's competition time. How would you like to be interviewed on the Game Changers Experience podcast as a top thought leader and industry game changer? Well, you can. I'm offering one lucky spot to one lucky listener who'd like to come up onto the show. Now, the great thing about this show is that it's in the top 2.5% global rankings. We're in 43 different countries and we have thousands of downloads from around the world. So if you want to get your message out there in the in the big wide world, this is a great opportunity to do so. Now, there's a couple of things that you've got to do. Number one is you've got to leave a five-star review on Apple or on Spotify and then send me a screenshot or tag me. You can send me a screenshot to hello at adamstrong.net. hello at adamstrong.net. And also buy me a coffee. The link is below. Buy me a coffee. Buy me a coffee based on the value that you get from the show personally. And then we'll be reviewing applicants over the next couple of weeks. And I'll be making an announcement on June 15th on the lucky winner. So listen, good luck. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another great show lined up, and today I'm with Mike Maddock. Now, Mike is a serial entrepreneur, he's a best-selling author, and he's a global keynote speaker and a growth strategy coach. Uh, Mike has written four best-selling books, wow, uh, about growth and innovation, and he writes for Bloomberg and Forbes magazine. And, uh, and, and honestly, some of the things that we've been talking about offline, absolutely immense, got a huge amount of experience. And today, what we're going to be talking about is blind spots. Interesting, great topic, love it, especially from a leadership perspective. So we're going to be talking a little bit about um, what is a blind spot? What do you need to look for? What are the, what are the consequences of if we don't deal with those blind spots, right? Uh, we can also talk about advisory boards. We're going to be talking about Napster movements. I have, by the way, when I when I saw that, I was like, "Holy moly, what the hell is that?" Anyway, getting long story short, <laughs> Mike, welcome to the show. Adam, great to be with you. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Good stuff. Well, listen, um, what's going to say? I want to jump into this really quickly because I know that we um, uh, we we've got some great energy and. You know, I'm really big into energy and and things like that. But I'd love to talk. I mean, you worked with a variety of different companies, corporate companies, Fortune five, Fortune one hundred companies. Um, but just give us a little bit of a backstory about how you got into and what you did. Yeah, so I, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I've had businesses since I was a teenager, and more importantly, I've I was blessed to work with all kinds of entrepreneurs. As I was trying to run my own little companies, I always had another job with two or three or four. And what that taught me was that the difference between someone that is an entrepreneur and someone that isn't an entrepreneur is uh, the first person had the stone to actually try to start their own business. Entrepreneurs aren't perfect. When the close sign goes up on the door, there's yelling, there's screaming, there's crying, there are mistakes. And so that was a really great lesson as a kid for me to see because it gave me the courage to try uh, on my own. 
So I started a business right out of college, which was a design uh, firm. Our tagline should have been, sure, we can do that too, because we took any project we could get. <laughs> um, and we woke up 15 years later and we were the second largest privately held marketing communications firm in the Chicago area of the States. And um, then I had a Jerry Maguire moment where I decided that advertising and marketing was the tax you pay for a bad idea, which is to say that what we noticed was when someone brought us a product that people actually needed, it was easy to market. And with the emergence of social media, we presumed that that would become, um, that, that, that would become even more true. So we decided to, I came in front of the company and said, okay, here's what we're going to be when we grow up. We're going to be an innovation consulting firm. And, you know, that was like a fart in church for about half the company. They were just like, you know, that doesn't sound really great. So we started another company um, with some of our original employees that's called MacGuffin Creative Group in Chicago. That's a marketing communications firm uh -huh. that's focused on financial services and healthcare. And Maddox Douglas said, we are going to be about innovation. And from that, um, we have worked with 25% of the Fortune 100. And I get to be in rooms with really, really clever people that are trying to put a dent in the universe vis-a-vis -vis a new product or service. Love it, love it, love it, love it. And and also, interestingly enough, you're also a big fan of Lego. Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, well, I played with Legos as a kid. Um, I, I, at some point, uh, there's a, my, my picture that they used in Forbes and now on Inc. Magazine, yeah. Or is me playing with Legos. I just always love building stuff. And then when we became a dad, I learned to hate Legos because I would step on them at three in the morning, walking to my bedroom. <laughs> so I have a love-hate relationship with Legos, as many of us do. Uh, I love Lego. I mean, I love Lego when I was a kid. I still love Lego. I just don't get to play it probably as much as I should do, right? Anyway, there's always a there's always there's there's always a kid in everyone. Everyone, that's I, I, right. absolutely that's true. Lovely, cool. All right, let's go. Let's get into this. So let's talk a little bit about blind spots because that's what the topic of today is. And let's talk about, you know, what it, first of all, what is a blind spot? You know, just to pr perspective in there, put it out there. What, 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 what? From your perspective, what's a blind spot? Well, so it's um, one of my favorite sayings is you can't read the label when you're sitting inside the jar, <laughs> and what that means is. The longer, the longer you've been working on a project, an industry, a relationship, the more of an expert you become. Congratulations, mm. you're an expert. Um, that means you know what works, what doesn't work, why the boss got fired, what you can afford, what's legal, what's illegal. And that expertise um, gets you a lot of promotions, but it also keeps you from seeing possibility when it's walking right in front of you. A blind spot is an expertise trap. Mm, interesting is it the same analogy of um, if you're kind of like working in the trenches and you're trying to get clarity in a way is, would, would you say that it was also a blind spot uh there's well there's uh you know that that reminds me of uh, marketing myopia which is um that was coined by a harvard professor in 1967 and what happens there in the trenches is you forget the business that you're in Got it. If you get the business that you have the right to be in, for example, um, every railroad baron uh, thought they were in the railroad business because they thought about rails and building cars and steel, et cetera. If they had realized they were in the transportation business, they would today own every plane, every ship, every rail car, but they didn't. <laughs> and and, it's, and that, that's, a, that's a related challenge. 
um, because that's a, that's a blind spot because you're thinking about what you do every day and you forget uh, the benefits you're bringing to your customer or you could bring to your customer. That's a good point. It's a good point. Love that. Very cool. Let's, um, what I was going to say, um, in terms of like the symptoms of blind spots, what, do we, what, what, what are some, some of the symptoms would you say from your perspective that we need to look for as leaders and as entrepreneurs in terms of blind spots? Any thoughts? Okay. So there, there are at least three symptoms. Um, one of my favorite is that uh, I already mentioned one, you're an expert. I promise you, if you are considered an expert in your industry, you have developed blind spots. It's the, it's the other side of the expertise. Coin. Everyone's an expert though. Everyone's an expert, Mike. What are you talking about? That's why all our <laughs> listeners are here. They're all experts. I, I do not agree with you. Um, I'm sorry, respectfully. Um, and the, the one of my favorite symptoms is that, and, and I, I, by the way, I own these symptoms. I'm working on myself here. But if you've noticed you keep trying to solve the same problem mm. over and over and over again, but you can't seem to solve it, chances are you're working on the wrong problem. Mm. That's a tenet of design thinking. And that's what happens with experts. You know, they, they, they know how something should be done. So they're like, they're convinced they know what the problem is. So they punish that problem and they can't solve it. That's a symptom that, that uh, there's an expertise trap. There's a blind spot. The other symptom is you get pissed off about ideas. Um, <laughs> you know, if you can't let go for a better grip and if someone comes to you and you has, a, has an idea and it makes you angry, uh, that passion is uh, a pretty good indication of how committed you are to something. And that commitment that's being violated by that, by that idea is a blind spot. Interesting. I like, and, and also what you were saying before, right? The whole kind of analogy of, you know, trying to, trying to solve a problem. It's a bit like kind of what Einstein said, the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. It's kind of the same analogy, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I love just as a build on that, Einstein had another quote that one should not expect to solve a problem with the same level of expertise that created it. And so, you know, when an industry, a group of experts ha has created a problem, yep. they're usually not the ones that solve it. And here's one other thing that, that is, uh, we just did a, uh, a very, very large research study. We spent about a half a million dollars on it. And we, um, what we, we made uh, nine bold predictions about the future of advice, expert advice. Mm -hmm. And one of the big ahas, we used a prediction market which is useful because it's the wisdom of the crowd. We did two. We did one with the professional advisors and one with people that bought advice. And one of the things that we noticed was that boomers, Gen X, thought one thing was going to happen and millennials thought something else. They predicted different futures. The challenge is that in most industries, they're run by boomers or Gen X right now. And here come the millennials who see the world so completely different. So if you're bored, your advisory board, your board of directors, your C-suite is full of boomers and Gen X. They have, they're experts and their expertise is completely blind to what the millennials want or they're about to do. That's really dangerous. Um, and, and it's impacting uh, a lot of businesses. And that's how Napster moments happen. You know, that's really interesting because, you know, there's one thing that uh, um, I was speaking about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, with regards to how, companies have struggled to attract top talent right 
So what you're saying, okay, so here's an analogy. I suppose it's uh, analogy is, is company X is struggling to attract top talent. But what you're saying is if they don't have these younger generation people in senior positions, right, it's going to hurt them because it's going to create the blind spot. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that it's just to be the, the, not only that, but just to be aware that the loudest voice in the room, the most successful fill in the blank, insurance agent, real estate agent, doctor, who is the, at the top of their game, what got them here won't get you there mm. because their go-to punch and their expertise was, was refined with a different generation. And the rules that the, the earth has shifted underneath them, but they've always made more money. They, their name is on the side of the building. And mm -hmm. so people listen to them um, until they're wrong. And usually it's too late for that company or organization. You know, um, the, the CEO of Sony, uh, when talking about Napster, said that they, he didn't think they were a mosquito worthy of swatting on the Howard Stern show. And then he said, I wish we had just bought them, but he didn't see it. And this is while 87% of his record stores were going out of business. Um, and it and a Napster moment, uh, just to be clear, is when someone with no business being in your business comes along and puts you out of business. That was a 16 year old kid who was trying to solve a problem, wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Um, and he blindsided a whole industry. That's interesting. I mean, there's actually, uh, I'm just thinking about some other examples. I mean, you've, you've used Napster, which was a real big shift in how kind of Apple and kind of the iPod had kind of, you know, that it was kind of that arena there in the nineties, but I guess there's also a shift in, in things like Netflix, for example, and blockbuster video going out and things like that. Would you agree? Yeah. So I, the, I, the name just came to me, Theodore Levitt was the Harvard professor that came up with marketing myopia. And the difference between Blockbuster and Netflix is that Blockbuster thought it was in the, um, the videotape business. Right. And uh, there's, I met a, a young lady who brought a business case to the CEO of Blockbuster saying, we are in trouble. Here's what we need to do. And was told, you don't understand what business we're in. We're in a retail brick and mortar business. Meanwhile, Netflix understood they were in the entertainment business. And when you're in the entertainment business, it doesn't matter if it's a videotape or a song or a movie, that, that's what kept them out of jail. It's, they weren't myopic. They weren't so myopic about the business we're in. So, you know, here's a, here's a challenging question. What business is Apple in? What business is Google in? What you notice is the businesses that are open and, my, and less myopic, it's really hard to pin down what business they're in because, they, they, because they're, they're, the, the way they define the, 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 their opportunity to serve their customers in the world is much broader. Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay, interestingly enough, so we're talking about, um, you know, even if we look at kind of competitors that maybe have, you know, even don't exist anymore, whether it be an airline or whatever it is, would you say because they didn't shift to the market or they didn't adapt to that business model, would you say that's also a good example of a blind spot? Yeah, and, and I, yes, and um, I think it really just gets a fundamental ways to keep it from happening. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned millennials. I think diversity of thinking is at the core of what keeps you out of trouble. And so having, um, you know, every, every leader should have a coach, a, a, a forum, and an operating system, you know. Um, and that forum, whether it's an advisory board, a board of directors, or a, a growth forum, needs to be made up of a diverse group of thinkers with different attitudes, different backgrounds, different skills, who are peers. Yep. So that when they tell you you're full of crap, or <laughs> better, when they say, hey, man, I don't see the problem that you're trying to fix the same way. I see it as a different problem to solve. Yep. You will actually listen and learn from them. Love it. Love it. Love it. Interestingly enough, because <clears throat> When we talk about um, uh, advisory, because what you were talking about is, a, is advisory boards. And it's interesting. I was actually having a, a really interesting conversation with a, a friend of mine based in, uh, in Utah. And she, she works with kind of, she's actually writing, uh, written a book about advisory boards. I'm like, huh, I didn't know about that. This is kind of interesting. But what's, from your perspective, how do you, especially with, regards to businesses and startups and doesn't matter which industry you're in or whatever it is, but when it comes to advisory boards, what's the benefits and how do we build one? So it's really hard to build an advisory board. I've done it. You you know, who should I recruit? Um, How much do I pay them? How often do we get together? What problem is too big or too small? And, um, and it's expensive, time consuming, and it's, it's difficult. Um, and more than that, the worst thing from my own personal experience, the worst thing about advisory boards is we tend to put people we like on them and it's the people that, that, so, uh, consequently they tend to think like us and react like us. And that's the worst kind of advisory board because you get a bunch of people telling you what you want to hear. And they will tell you that right into the ground. You put the and, and this is from my own personal experience. Right. Um, so so um, I think a forum should consist of peers and with Flourish Forums, which is a company that I started about a year and a half ago. Not only are you peers, but you sit in one of six seats. You're the operator, the strategist, the rainmaker, uh, the visionary, the tech futurist, or the orchestrator. So all those people have PL responsibility, they're peers, but under pressure or in flow, they see the world differently. And so they'll see your challenges differently. Very cool. Very cool. Is there any, um, are there any um, past clients or, or senior leaders that you worked with in the past <clears throat> where they've come to you specifically because they feel like there's whether whether it be a disconnect or a, a blind spot or whatever it is. If if the, if the, if so, and they come to you because they needed advice, they needed to become more what I call aware, right? Aware of how to become more aware of what a blind spot looks like. Um, but more importantly, like what was the story behind the back of that? Was there anyone that comes to mind at all? Uh, when, when, you know, because obviously you do a lot of stuff in growth transformation and, and, and things like that. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. In that construct, um, I would sit squarely in the visionary seat, which is to say that under pressure, I tend to start over, blow stuff up, challenge convention, see the world completely differently. 
which is really great. It's a really great skill when a company needs to pivot. It's a really bad skill when you're scaling and everything's fine. Because right. visionaries tend to want to blow things up even when things are going great. In fact, if things are going really great, they want to start over. If things are going really bad, they want to start over. We just want to always do something differently. So it's a, it's a strength and a weakness. So when, when CEOs have come to me, what's happened is typically they're starting to, their go-to punch is not working. Um, you know, they've squeezed all the profit. The KPIs are right, but the results are different. And they're trying to see the world differently. And so I know how to do that. A couple of strategies that I would give to your listeners to do it. Um, if you get together with your team and say, okay, team, I'm going to whiteboard this out. What are the 10 things or the five things that we do better than anyone else in our industry? And just write them down. Don't use industry terms. And then go and take that list and Google those words. What you're going to do is you're going to find out that there are, uh, you know, three pages worth of companies who are not competitors that think they're in the same business you're in. So all of a sudden, you're not myopic because you can say, oh, my God, that company is not a competitor, but they say they do what we do. And in every one of those companies, there are smart people with, with titles like chief technology, chief innovation, chief strategy officer. And those people like beer and pizza and they like, uh, they like wine and coffee. And when you call them and say, hey, chief technology officer, you're, do you're doing some really cool stuff. Can I buy you beer, pizza, wine, or coffee? Because um, I want to learn from you. They say yes. And when you get together with those people, they will share with you how they are solving the same problems you are in a non-competitive way. And that allows you to parallel engineer ideas. You can, you can start going, oh my gosh, we can move horizontally with this technology or this service because they think they're in the same business we're in. So there's one way to get outside that jar um, if you're trying to shift a little bit. Love it, love it, love it. Very cool. Um, interestingly enough, we're going through some interesting times in the world. We won't go into too deep, but we're all going through interesting times. I'm sure you guys uh, would agree with me on that. But from your perspective, Mike, um, if there is a shift in the market, whether it be a shift in the marketplace, shift in the industry that they're working in right now, what is the best advice that you have for people where if they have these worries and they're not sure about how to deal with the blind spots and, you know, they're worried about, well, you know, it's kind of like you're, they're being pessimistic. I know you've got to be optimistic, but it's kind of this pessimistic kind of mindset. What's your thoughts on that? So, um, you know, I've written four books about innovation and entrepreneurship. So I'm going to go 30,000 feet, but if you're interested to go deeper, there are white papers, books, et cetera. I think a portfolio, two things. Number one, um, be aware of what your company, what your leadership team's go-to punch is. Some companies are great operators. And so what they do is under pressure, they tend to squeeze, they cut costs, they get to the core. Um, and if there's room in your industry to do that, that's really beneficial. But if you're already running a really lean ship, you, 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 your reaction will not be to pivot or invent something else. On the flip side, um, there are people like me that just want to blow everything up when things are going really well. So first, be aware of what your go-to punch is from your leadership team. Now, and then second, uh, I think a portfolio strategy is really smart. So, um, you know, uh, there's a simple two by two. I've written about it. If, you, if anybody sends me a note, I'll send it to them. 
but you know the on the y-axis it's uh you know we know how to do it or we don't know how to do it on the x-axis is we know our customers will buy it or we don't know they're going to buy it so bottom left we know how to do it we know they'll buy it that's evolutionary innovation that's what operators do everybody should be doing it listen to your customers give them what they want there's very little margin in it so you, you're not going to you're not going to make a big dent in the universe just doing that top left we don't know how to do it but our customers are asking for it that's differentiation there's more margin you got to figure out how to do that bottom right we have an idea, but we're not sure if anybody's going to buy it. That's what entrepreneurs do. Let's fast fail. And top right is, we don't know if anybody wants it. We don't know how to do it, but man, is this a cool idea. That's <laughs> revolutionary idea, innovation. And port, what you want to do is you want to be really intentional about the, the projects you're working on, and you want a balanced portfolio. Like 80% should be bottom left, 10% top left, 5%, 5% top right, whatever's left, bottom right. Um, and when you when you can do that, you're going to be hitting, you know, mixing metaphors now, sorry. You're going to be hitting singles, doubles, and trip, and maybe a triple once in a while. Right. You're not going to screw up your world by investing everything in that top right quadrant. You're probably going to be wrong. You're probably going to go out of business if you do that. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So here's, a, here's another thought. And I just kind of had a, an epiphany moment, I suppose. But what would you say the real difference between making mistakes or the fear of making mistakes and a blind spot on how to deal with those? Yeah, I, I haven't thought about that. I, I have, let me think, the fear of making mistakes in a blind spot. So um, I'm a big fan of Colby, which is, a, uh, which is what I use to place C-suite people in the chairs and flourish for them. Yep. And Colby, are you familiar with Colby, Adam? Colby I'm not. Star? Please let me know. Please, what, what is that? So, so it measures four different things. Um, Fact-finding, follow-through, quick start, and implementer. Okay. And based on the pattern of your score, I can tell you which seat you feel strongest in. You you know, you, you all of us can be in any of those seats, but there are a couple of seats that we really do well in. Got it. My experience is that if you have a really high fact finder score and a really high follow through score, you're going to be a great operator, uh, which is awesome because you're about detail, you're about systems, et cetera. But it also means you get into analysis paralysis and you're very slow to make changes. Yep. Uh, the visionary score is a really high quick start score and everything else is kind of low, <laughs> which means that you're really quick to experiment. And what entrepreneurs have uh, the, the one advantage that entrepreneurs have over everyone else is they typically make 25 mistakes before a big company is ready to make one. And so uh, fail to me is an acronym for first attempt in learning. Like and that. you're, and, and I think failing really, really fast with low cost is a skill that, that companies need whether it's in a department, in that quick start department, yep. or, or whether it's partnering with entrepreneurs who can just go bam, 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 because it reveals blind spots. Yep. You know, like, shit, I did not see that coming. Absolutely. Wow, that's because you had a blind spot. Well, but it didn't cost me anything. I'd learned something. Let's keep going. Mm. I, I'm not sure if that's the answer to your question. No, 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 absolutely. I, I think that's a great analogy. I thought that was an excellent analogy. I, I did think that was really, really good. I, I enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Gives me some great clarity. Uh, interestingly enough, and okay, so here's the thought. 
it's a really good question from my perspective because I feel like, especially with some of our listeners, and we all get complacent, ladies and gentlemen, right? We get complacent when things are going good. We get comfortable in our comfort zone. And sometimes it's like, well, why would I change things if they're going well, right? So here's an interesting uh, perspective, I suppose, and a, and a good question for you, Mike, is how, when it comes to, when things are all going gravy, right? When things are going gravy and we fall into this behavior of complacency, how does that relate to blind spots, number one, right? But also how do you deal with complacency and complacent companies and business owners? What's your thoughts on that? Um, so one of the things I, I've been in, um, I've been in a, a forum for over 25 years now, another one for 15 years. And one of the things that I, I noticed is that if you draft out the, um, the roller coaster ride that is a business journey, right. what you'll see is no one is ever at the top or the bottom forever. It is absolutely like, things are great, things are great, things are great. Oh my God, things are bad. Yeah. And it's just up and down and up and down. So one should never, uh, one should never feel bad when things are going really poorly are really great because wait a couple years and you'll be on the other side of that ride. So, so surrounding yourself with that perspective, like, oh my God, that guy or that woman was absolutely crushing it two years ago. Mm. And then her marriage fell apart or her kid got in trouble or there was a scandal in her company and now they're, they're just getting crushed. That's number one, having the perspective that, uh, that, that things change pretty quickly. Yep. Number two, having a group of people that are willing to challenge you when things are going really well. You know, the time to invest in innovation is when things are going really well. It's really, really hard to, to get a, a boat across the ocean without wind. It's really easy when the winds are blowing in your sails. You know, you can go anywhere you want, but when the wind stops, you can't move. Everyone's afraid. No one wants to take any chances. Everyone's afraid about losing their job. And those all, all those things conspire to keep you from trying new things. So having a group that'll say, dude, you're doing great. What are you going to do next? And show me your portfolio of risk um, is, is number two. So I'll stop there. But th those are two things that I would recommend um, that every leader has. Um, and I, you know, you can't have enough of that. You can't have I love enough. that we've all, we all know people that have um, blown fortunes because they convinced themselves that they were Midas. <laughs> you know, like everything I touch turns to gold. Just look at my past. They have an exit and all that money's gone in two years because they, they didn't have a group of people going, you know, yeah, you've been, you know, there's a little luck involved, dude. You know, your head's getting a little big. Yeah. <laughs> ego, ego, ego. Absolutely. hundred percent ego. Definitely. No, this is very cool. Well, listen, I know that we're coming towards the end of our conversations, um, but I'd love to know, we'd, I'd love to know what you're working on right now. And maybe you could share with our, with our listeners if, if you'll be willing to do so. Yeah, so I have been um, fascinated by forums. And so I have created a company called Flourish Forums, plural, www.flourishforums.com. And I'm constructing like hyper curated virtual advisory boards for leaders. That's and cool. We meet every month for an hour, or excuse me, we meet once a 10 months out of the year. And um, I get to be in the middle of these forums moderating really clever people, 
helping each other scale their businesses. Um, I'm still the CEO of Maddox Douglas. I'm still involved with MacGuffin, but you know, I, I started this conversation saying I'm a really good starter and I'm a lousy finisher. <laughs> uh, I like starting things and I'm really enjoying um, starting uh, Flourish Forms. It's been really, uh, it's been uh, invigorating for the members and for me. And I'm writing another book and I'm doing a fair amount of public speaking and I get to talk to really clever people like you, Adam. That's cool. That, that, listen, flattery gets you everywhere in life. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, guys, hope that you've enjoyed some of our conversations with me and Mike. Um, I was going to say, if you want to get in touch with Mike, please do click on the links and you can connect with him uh, on the links below. Do mention the podcast. That way you can put two and two together. Mike, I just want to say thanks very much for being on today's show. Adam, it was an honor. It really was. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Listen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, guys. Make sure, by the way, if you have got some value from today's episode, right, there is a list of instructions on the list below. So if you haven't already done so, we are going to be running some competition soon, by the way. Please do leave a review and buy me a coffee, right? We've got this thing called buy me a coffee. I'm actually more of a tea drinker, but you can buy me a coffee anyway. Click on the link below. You'll know what I mean. Uh, so I hope you got some great value. Um, and uh, what we're going to be looking to do, we've got some great, amazing things that's going to be happening, which I'm going to be telling you about really, really soon, but I'm not going to tell you right now. So anyway, listen, from me and Mike, have a great day, week, month, afternoon, evening, whatever it is in the world. And we'll speak, see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care, everyone. And we'll see you soon. Cheers now. Hey, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Game Changers Experience. I would be gratefully appreciated if you could leave a good or a bad review. doesn't matter, one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer, on any of the platforms, whether it be on Apple, whether it be on Spotify, Podchaser, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care, see you soon, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care, see you soon.